0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Endless Cells podcast. And as you can see, it's a bit empty at Endless Cells headquarters <laughs> this <laughs> evening. I mean, Phil, we can talk about why. Oh, you're the voice of us in their live event at the Pool Frog. Three of our people went: Ross, William, and Tony. It was a great night. But I'm joined by Phil McGillney, who's kindly stepped in the void. And I'm excited to chat to him. How are you?
1: I'm good, mate. I'm absolutely fine. I'm the only. Boise member that stuck his head above the parapet today. I was, even though I was having a wee drink last night, I'm I'm quite sensible. So well, I know when enough's enough, but uh, some of my uh, teammates uh, disappeared into the night to the early hours of the morning. I believe there might have been a wee pool game between Endless Celts, Ross Muir, and Russell Boyce that was getting played at God knows what time. Uh, I've seen pictures of that doing the rounds today, but yeah, it was a fun night. And I need to pass on my thanks to the members of the Endless Celts, Tony. Uh, William and Ross that all turned up that was a really nice surprise but Russell did ask me to pass on the message that Francis is still his favourite in the Endless Celts guys <laughs> I've <I'll> passed that <laughs> one on <laughs> you, and anyone who's in the comments that did come because there was a few people last night that in the comments of both Endless Celts and the Boise bus and yeah my head was spinning at points so I was trying to remember everybody's name but it was it was weird people kept going oh I'm Gary Brown and stuff like and I know you from the comments oh my god I was excited to meet them as much as they were to meet me so it was a phenomenal night Thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Uh, I looked amazing. The pictures that were sent in the the group chat was incredible. Like the the group photos, especially all together, just getting along mm. and having fun. I think, uh, Ross said in the chat he won the pool, but I haven't heard from Russell yet, so oh, okay, okay. we'll have <laughs> to wait and see. And in terms of <laughs> the chat, on <laughs> Craig White, in, Kenny McCardle, Ryan Kelly, Gary Greer, Patrick McLaughlin, Alistair Jack. Thanks for coming on the Hangover Cells. I think that's probably about right. To be fair, Alistair. like I mean. To be fair, Russell Boyce had his first live event in the Frog, and it all seemed to go well. Fantastic crowd turned up. So if you're in the comments, make yourself known. It'd be great to hear your thoughts as well. And Phil, I'm sure you'll like to say, like right. to hear from him too. But we'll crack on and, and go straight into Flag Day. I mean, that's what yes. we're all here for, to talk about the Celts being back at Paradise and what a wonderful surface, finally, the Celtic Park have. It looked just like a carpet instead of all that grainy, sort of sandy look. But it was beautiful to see. First of all, though, What about that display from the Green Brigade? You
1: you won't get that much, much places in Europe, like no, especially on the opening day of the season. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the atmosphere from right from the get go was amazing. Before the game, William McGrandles sang a few songs. I mean, the rendition he did of Grace was thunderous with the the noise from the crowd singing along with it. It just set the tone, and yeah, that. that display was phenomenal. I mean, it's up there on a par with um, the the famous one against Barcelona. And we done it again, I believe, against. Uh, it was the, the, the we completed invincible treble season, didn't we? We yeah. did one as well. It was a full stadium display, but oh, that, that was superb. The because uh, I'm in the the lower Jockstein stand at one three nine, and I was looking across to the Lisbon Line stand. And they had the um, the trophy. It was like the trophy. Oh, that the, was beautiful. Uh, but it was, it was the banners that they had, or the, the ribbons that they had coming down from yeah. the top tier that made it look like the green and white ribbons. I was like, ah, oh, that's really clever. Because it was unraveling. And I was like, I have a feeling it's going to be a trophy. And then when it all came together, I was like, oh, that's, that's superb. But when you're a player and you walk out in front of that, how can you not just be like so fired up and inspired? It must really, imagine putting yourself in their shoes for a few minutes and just walking out there and being like, Wow, you know, guys like Joe Hart will be like, I know I've made the right choice coming to this mm-hmm. club. You know, it was it was amazing, absolutely amazing day, and uh, absolutely well, I absolutely phenomenal.
0: I think Joe Hart even alluded to himself in the Instagram post he put up saying that it was first flag day experience and it was special. I mean, mm-hmm. these players are playing the top level. He was number one for England, and he yeah. got he got him coming up saying that when he's been in grounds in England, he's probably experienced different atmospheres and they obviously rank and deservedly so the best atmosphere he's played in. I mean, mm. uh, Brian Taylor comes in here, best fans in the world, 100%. Mm-hmm. You can't really deny that. And of then you course. get them, you get the other fans uh, across the city putting up uh, tweets comparing there. It's like, come on, <laughs> take a walk. <laughs> Time to let it go, you know what I mean? Like, and when I first seen what the Brigade were doing, obviously they were raising funds for it. You're, you're kind of wondering an expectation what it's going to be. And mm. they always, no matter like, People obviously disagree with them sometimes and disagree mm-hmm. with what way they sing or what way they get on. But see when they do them them displays, they're yep. they're unrivaled. Especially for me in, in uh UK football and we're unrivaled. Obviously, yeah, the police fans who do like the three D ones and stuff up there class mm-hmm. too. But in terms of what we've seen yesterday, it was absolutely incredible. And another flag flag rails film, ten and eleven seasons, All it's right. just becoming a normal thing, isn't it? Cal McGregor, first flag day as captain. What a guy! Mm-hmm.
1: Although if you ask a certain journalist here, apparently it's a hey, pass the parcel. you parcel. Know, that's not how it works, really. That well, would mean back well, and forth, back and forth, but not uh, 10 or 8 titles out of 11. It's absolute dominance. It's a ridiculous quote. But again, that was all just for clickbait, I think, and for selling a few newspapers. But yeah, Callum McGregor, I think he was the right choice as well in for the flag. Because usually we'll wheel in um, be a famous Celtic fan, a former player, mm. some sort of emotional connection to the club. But no, I thought it was a good moment just to keep it simple. The club captain unfurls the flag, you know, the guy that led us to it, because it was a big, big deal for him to get the captain's armband last year. There was so much about, you know, Scott Brown, that's, that's big boots to fill. Can, can Callum McGregor get it? He got in him to do it, and yeah, more than enough. So yeah, it was a really good moment for McGregor to get that chance. So I thoroughly enjoyed that.
0: Even as well, like, I mean, Kenny's right here, absolutely brilliant day, still buzzing. I was like a kid on Christmas Eve. Couldn't wait for the match. Me and McRandie were buzzing, watching it, as well? And in terms of, obviously... You look at Cal McGregor, even when he was getting <clears throat> the whole debate around who should be captain when Brown left, and there was people mentioning the likes so of Julian. How far, how far back in the thoughts as he now? And oh, no. it was everyone, it seemed like for a wee while it was everyone but Cal McGregor, wasn't it? It seemed like everyone had a choice or a preference, but the guy just walked in, he's took it. Yes, he's not the captain where he's going to shout off or he's going to mouth at people, but you can see him. He, he leads from the front. It's the way he gets on on the pitch. He drags the team forward, and them, uh, when it shows you the footage of the huddle, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen it, he's just—he's right into the players like he's telling them, gets his message across and I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then you move into the game and everything surrounding it and Pastor Koglu kind of reflecting again on what he's done in his first season straight away, Welsh in with a, a set-piece goal and I think I've seen um, Hamish McCartan from 67 Hill Hill say that was her first direct goal from a set-piece since Barcelona.
1: Well, that was brought up last night, funny enough, and right away instantly my spider sense was tingling and I was like, no! Wait a minute, and a few people did shout. Out a couple, like one that comes to mind right away is Christopher Julian scoring against Lazio. Um, I think it was a time ah, yes. one because a few people below had uh, commented and were like, "No, that's no right." And then people posting a wee GIF for like joke going over somebody's head. I keep just demonstrating it's been that bloody long since. Well, we it's been over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't worry. But no, it, it, it's still weird because we don't score them that often. We really don't. So it was a, a good feeling because I'm not a huge fan of short corners like i always feel if you're going to do a short corner you know it should be because you've got something that you've rehearsed a real good set piece move yeah and a lot of the time we play a short corner and it usually amounts to absolutely nothing so i'm kind of like well, what was the point in that it's the same way like the free kicks that we do sometimes where we stand like three players will stand over the ball and have like a wee flab with each other with the whole cover in the mouth to not show the opposition what they're saying and i'm like okay they're planning something here and then they'll just either blaze it over the bar or hit the wall and i'm like What's The point in that so when it comes to set pieces, I'm not a big fan of just fanning around, I just want to just get it in the box, yeah. And yeah, it was a really nice, uh, nice feeling to see a corner just flighted in. Nice wee glancing and header, and yeah, Stevie Welsh, you know, he's uh been t- he's quite a controversial, divisive man in the starting of the living and the build up to it. But my opinion's always been the same regarding him. He's not outstanding, I don't think he's terrible, he's just very adequate, I think, for SPL level. Uh, he always do a job, and I think there's enough around him. If he does make a mistake, to protect him, but there was a few slack moments for him. And you think, well, if that was a European game. That Was a PSG or a Real Madrid?
0: Oh, yeah,
1: oh, it's cutting, so did enough to get away with, it. but yeah, good, good for the lad anyway. Um, good for his confidence as well. And we made a joke um, as well in the voice of us chat as he ran away celebrating. He was pointing, we're saying he's pointing at Mark Kearney, saying that's for you, slagging me off. Mark Kearney,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the judge, the judge, and the actual coaster, Mark Kearney, and then Egyptian King. I mean, he's been watching the whole game here. He was watching the coaching staff. Anyone know this week, Gavin Stratton's new haircut? I think we all did, to be fair. He looked quite fresh. But you're speaking about, obviously, Stephen Wilson. I think Anthony Joseph confirmed today that uh, the to-, to lose... See, I I was going to say that name wrong again, I would get absolutely done in by the guys in the podcast. But to lose, they've dropped their interest. And it seems like, from a post call who said he's going to be fighting for his place, it's going to be quite interesting, isn't it, between him, Jensen, and Starfield. Where do you see it going in this early days? And I mean, Obviously, Welsh is... He's got his goal. He's not done much wrong at the minute. Like,
1: I state a claim, and that's a good thing for the team. Good thing for Andrew. They're the headaches that you want the manager to have. I think fans can be guilty sometimes of overthinking it. At the end of the day, the manager will be happy that if all the players are performing, because a lot of fans will be like, "How you make keep us so happy?" And what about this? And it's like, I think sometimes they're playing too much football manager or FIFA, and it's like, don't worry about stuff like that. Just leave it the manager. See, the players themselves want to. They like that competition. It drives them want to be better. So yeah, Stephen Welsh has done nothing wrong. I do think once felt is fit and up to fitness again, he probably will come back in, but. At the time being, if Welsh is performing, and obviously if Jens turns out to be quite to say we liked him last year, we've brought him in with an option to buy, you've got to imagine he's going to get some game time and it won't just be the occasional League Cup game against like a lower league opposition. So I'd like yeah. to think that he's going to get a wee bit rotating, but I do fully expect once Starfield is back up to fit, fitness, he will be in there with Cutter Vicks again, because the record speaks for itself, Stephen. Look at last year. We didn't lose a league game when they were paired up. Um, so yeah, if he's got strong uh, options to rotate in and out when there's injuries and suspensions, then all the better. So you've got to consider as well, Carter Vickers might not be fit all season. There could be an injury yeah. to him somewhere along the line. So if Welsh and that are ready to go and performing, then good. Good for the club. Yeah,
0: 100%. I think Ryan Taylor comes in with a good point. I'm all for Welsh saying he's good enough and fighting for a place. Go- I mean, as a youngster, Gafrula ranks at Celtic, We're all for all that. We're all for homegrown talent. If he stays and proves his fitness and he proves his fourth, then he'll get in the team. Postal call, going to be that clear. And it kind of comes back to the whole like first match day squad, you're you're looking at the subs, you're quite intrigued to see who makes the bounce and there's no Julian. Mm. Funny enough, mm. do you know yes. what I mean? I've been banging that drum, he's on his way to think that was mm. the final nail, nail in
1: the coffin. He'll be away. I think so. I think now that we've got Jens in because I, I, when I was on a few weeks ago we were still in that period where we didn't have another centre back in. Julian had started like the first pre-season game, it was like that whole right, if staff felt no fit, who would you rather go with? And Obviously, that was only the start of the preseason season game, so you thought, well, if Julian plays a few games, I would go with Julian, but it, obviously the games that he played in that, there was a few up-and-down moments, and it, it looks quite clear now that, yeah, he's he's heading out at the nearest possible convenience, and good luck to the guy. Say, I've got no hard feelings against him. It's just no worked-out under the just some players aren't cut out for certain systems and certain styles of play. doesn't take away from the fact he is still a good centre-back, but not... I by but we Welsh. I say Welsh is obviously status claim, and Ange clearly sees a lot in him, so I've... And it's that whole thing, as you say, you know, youngster coming through Celtic, it's something we all dream of, so we can all relate Mm -hmm. to it, you know, it's like, you want to see a young lad do well that's came through the, the ranks, so... I get on him so he's got a lot of strong options there, so it's quite nice to not have any defensive worries, especially in previous years when at this time of the year we'd be playing a Champions League qualifier in the middle of nowhere, probably in Europe, and near Beaton might need to step up if we had any defensive <laughs> injuries. So it's quite good to be clear of all of that this year. Cam, <laughs> we're okay.
0: Hundred percent. A King comes in, our bench strong, which is build to see, mm. and then we all wrote, this is a great point again by Ryan, we all wrote uh, Ralston off, Welsh has the balls to fight and good on him again, I totally agree. Yep. And the, the, the come, back, come back to the junior thing, I mean, I was I would say people fought, but people did think I was like getting at him and said he wasn't a good player. I was just pointing out you can see Anz has a system. Yep. If a player doesn't fit in that particular system he won't be there. There's no doubting he's a quality mm-hmm. defender. I mean, yep. Russ, uh, Russell Boyce, he, he'll always allude to the fact that he has a friend within uh, French journalism right. and he told mm-hmm. him he was one of the best pl- players in the the league is in terms of a defender and he should make it, make the step up quite easy in the Scottish League and mm. he did but unfortunately, you know what I mean it, it changes, system changes yeah. and sometimes you just have to cut your losses and off you go and mm-hmm. best luck to him That's I mean he's been a great yeah. servant of the club albeit that injury kind of curtailed him but final goals in the League Cup final against Lazio, you know what I mean so he's, he's played a pivotal role at Celtic Football Club and you look at the performance in the first half and obviously I, want, I still want to talk about a few players but just going to yeah. the performance itself there was a few opportunities in that game. Postacodi by all counts was raging with the first half mm-hmm. performance in terms of wasteful opportunities and Aberdeen came back into slightly towards the end of the half. And now this is the kind of meat of it, isn't it? This is are we being negative here I we just pointing out realism, right? Because there was times when Aberdeen got the ball and it was mm-hmm. Carter Vickers and Welsh down there by themselves defending against free free mm-hmm. uh, opposition players. You're not going to get away with that in Europe.
1: Definitely is uh there was one in particular I remember it was uh Joe Hart and Stevie Welsh seemed to be going for the same ball and there was a wee bit of a, a mix up there. Hart scooped up in the end, but you could see there was a bit of hesitancy there. Maybe it's because Welsh has they've been playing regular, just a bit of communication. Maybe Hart didn't they sort of command the situation, but like I said, the goalkeeper needs to take charge in these situations. Yeah. Then there was another one as well, where I think it was, it was Welsh again got caught out, and Aberdeen were able to stick a ball across the face of the goal, but nobody got in the end of it. And it was like, again, you know, if, if that's a European game against a top level opposition, which we're going to play, um, you're worried that we're going to get caught out there, but to say that's but in terms of like the actual performance, one of the things that frustrated me, and I think Anne said that as well again about the wasteful stuff, there were so many moments again where you just feel like they're trying to pass the ball in the net. Yeah, there was one yep. in particular about five minutes before half time, it was a whole series of playing, it seemed to open up for lots of people on the edge of the area different midfielders and I remember it came to McGregor and again you're like shoot and he tried to pass a ball through I think Jotter or uh, Kyogo and it got flagged offside And the end even though we stuck it in the net and it was offside but from where I'm sitting again looking right down the park there's so many moments where you can see the gap opens up and it's just like oh somebody just shoot but it was always like pass pass keep passing it keep pass. try walk it into the net and you're just like there's going to come a day right where we're not going to have any luck in front of goal. And all this trying to score the perfect goal and pass it in the net won't pay off. So it's like, you've got to just sometimes have a pop-it goal. Luckily, somebody did, which we'll get onto soon. Finally, somebody did take mm-hmm. that initiative. But um, yeah, that was uh, the, there was a few frustrating moments. And with the way the first half panned out, you're like, we could easily be about 4-0 up here, 4-0, 5-0. It's only one nil at halftime. So you start to get that wee, that wee edgy feeling at halftime. Like, by the way, this, this better not come back to bite us in the backside. But luckily, we, we saw it out and... Got it in the end, man. But it was the it,
0: It's a bit like remember the the, the Arsenal team back in like 09, uh, the 10, and Cesc Fabregas, like Arshavin, they're always trying to score the, the perfect individual goal. Wilshire yeah. was amongst that as well. And you're like, why not just cut all that out and shoot it sometimes? Because you mm. never know. The flexion, come back to the striker, wins the second ball, scores, blah, blah, blah. But it all comes back to it, Phil, doesn't it? I mean, the style of play, like he's, he's always said, he's never going to change it. He's never going to. He, he wants to obviously evolve it and make it yeah. better in terms of in a system and stuff, but mm. overall the, the structure of it, he wants the, the players to be relentless and pass the ball at every opportunity. Mm. And but when you're watching it at one nil, especially on Flag Day, like you could hear the crowd towards the end of the half getting a wee mm. bit anxious, a wee bit catchy, yeah. not getting on the players' backs, but they were noticing mistakes were being made and and I, I mean, it concerns me because Aberdeen, yes, they've signed some good players and some. I mean, that midfielder was decent. the The holding midfielder, uh, Ra- Ramadani, yes. Ramadani, or yes. And then the, the the big striker won a few flick-ons of things. And Hayes was quite impressive, even though he's like forty five, he still has a bit of speed. But like, if you're going against like in Madrid, like at Barcelona, I know they're not in it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Th- you're going to get punished. It, does it concern you a lot that that's that seems to be a trend? Even pre season, we were losing. Silly goals from being in winning positions. So there has to be a bit of, I mean, a bit of improvement in that area. That, that's the same game out.
1: There has to be, because the thing is, that some fans may look at it and go, well, you know, we're going to be playing against better teams. Will we make that many chances? Now, Celtic's goal going into this Champions League is realistically, they've got to try and make sure they have some sort of European football after Christmas because if they finish bottom of the group. They're out, like out, out of Europe. There's no fall away for finishing fourth. So third place has to be a target. And the team that comes out of the third pot, there are teams in there like Bayer Leverkusen, who we played last year, mm-hmm. and despite them beating us 4-0 at Celtic Park, we made a lot of chances that night. A lot. It, it was did. an ama- astounding 4-0. And amazingly, that was the night that Ange came away going, yeah, I can see things are starting to click now, and you're like, I'm just going to beat 4-0. So <laughs> uh, maybe we're playing like, the team for the pot one. Say we do get I don't, Man City or something. Yeah, they might absolutely crush us and we don't even get a sniff. But when going up to toe-to-toe with the third pot team, you know we need to take these chances. We need to, mm-hmm. and I said we made plenty of chances against Bayer Leverkusen last year, who are deemed a third pot team. So we could be playing a team of that level again. So it's like it's, sometimes you just got to have a wee goal. But again, when it comes to some manager systems, they don't want you just waste a shot because it may go over the bar. Then that team's got the ball back and stuff like that. Yeah. But I say it's, 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 I do expect Ange will be quite. People have been a bit too black and white about it, about how your player will always be gung-ho. I think he will be a bit savvy in it, and it'll just be a case of the players might need to take a wee bit of initiative sometimes instead of going for that crazy pass across goal, back to Joe Hart or something. Just a wee bit of common sense and look for uh, the simple ball. But remember back when they did the um, the would up session when Ange first joined? Uh, yeah. And he was saying to all the players, you know, even when you're not involved, you actually are still involved and he's encouraging to keep moving. So what you need on nights when we go into these European games is every player needs to keep moving about and give everybody options. If you can see a guy hasn't got a great option, you've got to put yourself in a position to get that ball off of him because we are going to pass ourselves into trouble in these European games. And I say if we're wasting chances as well, we're just going to come away from it. Say we draw a team like, I don't know who's in the third place, say like Napoli or something, they're in the third pot this year. We come away, we could add like eight or nine chances, but they've ended up beating us like 2-0 or something. And you're just like deja vu all over again. So I would just, need, just need to take those chances when they come up, man. You know, too much pass I think, I, think,
0: I think it comes back to the point where it's, actually it's quite interesting. You said obviously he may be a bit more savvy in Europe. That's why the whole Iron Moy signing kind of interests me, even though I don't agree with it. But Moy even alluded to it in his press conference. He played as a uh, defensive two sometimes in his career. You could see maybe him and calmac playing a two holding and O'Reilly in front just to create that kind of balance between midfield attack and defence. So you never know why, what way he's going to line up. And uh Paul comes in here. If Welsh and Taylor are starting in the Champions League, we're in trouble. Both great in the SPFL, but we need better against top opponents. Again, we're going to come on to great Taylor because I think it's yeah. interesting that Burnaby didn't come off the bench at all yesterday. Yeah. And then Danny Boy with the left field comment there, hope this isn't true. See the comment today saying Mason Greenwood to like is it shit or what? I hope it is. I hope it is shit. I hope I wouldn't want yeah. it anywhere it was- near it Something. was
1: getting discussed on another pod, shall we say, a pod that's maybe not too fond of the Boise bus, put it that way, and my dad told me uh, about it because he saw it, and I went, wait, he was saying, Mason, Mason's somebody, and I went, don't tell me Mason Greenwood. And he went, aye, ah, the one that plays for Man U, and I went, it better oh, not be no. him, and that turns out that's who they were talking about, and I was like, that's got to be nonsense. I mean, he, what happened to him last year with, you know, abusing his girlfriend and stuff like that, and I'm like, no, no, that that's a no-go. Celtic should be no yeah. That's awful, that's nonsense.
0: Hopefully, uh, hopefully, right there. I mean, if they're discussing it in other pods in their ITK, they can all get the fuck as well, because that should, that should yeah. never happen to the Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, Egyptian King Ancestry took no shit, even when he was interviewed after the game, said we were still sluggy and need to cut that out. Perfect point, what we're coming Good. on to now, Egyptian King. Phil, I mean, among the, the victory, and we'll talk about Jada here, he actually criticised Jada a bit. He said he was one of the main culprits in terms of uh, not taking the, the game better, a scruff of the night, wasting opportunities, wasting passes, and then he comes up with a a 35-yard screamer. What type oh. of player is this guy? Incredible. Like
1: mate, I sit and say, Lord Jog scene I had the perfect, perfect eye line for that when he cuts across the box. And again, everyone shouting, Somebody, shoot, shoot, you know. Because again, we've had a frustrating day when nobody's taking that initiative. And yeah, he just lashed it. And as soon as it left his foot, as I say, I'm looking at it, it's basically if if there's no net there, it's coming straight at me where I'm sitting, like it's heading right towards me. And it was like you could just see that's going right in the top corner. My God, what an explosion in the crowd! Like the noise when that hit the back of the net it was a, rel- a relief more than anything. Because again, you're just yep. like there was a few performances last season where we'd go in half time like a narrow lead in the second half, we'd kind of fall away and the other team would get some chances. So you don't want that creeping back in. So when that second goal went in, you just knew it was game set and match. But yeah, there was a few wasteful moments. It wasn't just Jota, but it's interesting. That Ange says that. I mean, I'm quite encouraged. That he's coming away with so stuff like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Instead of just going, "Oh yeah, it was a good performance," and you move on to the next one. It's like you want to see them picking that, and that's 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 really encouraging. You know that he could see. No, this is, still isn't what I wanted to be. That's not my final vision. So I was uh it was good to see, man. It was good to see. But uh, it's, somebody... it was also
0: good. I mean, you look at Jada and Obviously, you probably give him a balligan at half time. He didn't mm-hmm. huff. Jada didn't come out huffing or sulking or not giving us all. He wanted to prove a point to the manager and. He mm. scored that streamer, he celebrated and the rest of the game he stayed on the pitch and the, obviously yeah. the Japanese boys got took off I think. so obviously he came on and proved himself again, so when you get put down by the manager, it's all about your reaction, about how you mm. come back so that comes back to the point where Coglu is signing a personality for the culture of Celtic Football Club, mm. he doesn't want the one who's going to take a hissy fit and hide and want yeah. to come off the pitch because he's got a relic into so, I many, he's took it on board he's, he's went out and made a difference, which is fantastic and it was quite inter- <clears throat> interesting to see these Benfica Loan update sites and the figure youth sites keep putting mm. his uh, goals up that he scores for Celtic, and I seen one of the comments. Obviously, Google translating it, mm. and one of their supporters said, "I always said he had more potential than Felix yeah, Felix, the guy who went to Madrid." <laughs> That's quite a statement, isn't it?
1: That's that quite is... a statement. Yeah, Joe Felix. I was at one hundred twenty-three million like euros or something. So we only reporting euros nowadays here in Scotland. That's what it's all about. But some significant fee. Yeah, significant fee. Yeah, because Joe Felix had only had like one season at Benfica and he's going to Athletic Madrid for an obscene amount of money. And you're like, well, but yeah, I mean, I'm not on top of Spanish football these days since it left Sky TV a few years ago. So really like tops. I don't know exactly how good Felix has been doing out there, but I'd imagine he's, a, he's probably... You know heading towards the right way that potential that he's got, but that is still some serious praise, man. To be putting him in that category because I did read as well, similar to yourself, where when we did sign Jota for the price we did, there was a lot of Benfica fans weren't they really too happy that they'd agreed really? such a low price essentially? So, man, that's uh,
0: it's about, it's about time Celtic do it the other clubs, isn't it? We've had exactly. years of of, of uh, clubs taking our top talent for peanuts, like, mm-hmm. like, look at um, Stuart Armstrong, I still class him as a player we've hardly replaced. Obviously, yeah. you have had and yeah. stuff coming in that, but Armstrong was quality, so dynamic. He goes for like 10 million quid. You lose uh, Wanyama, you get peanuts for him. Mm. You lose Van Dyke, do you know what I mean? You get peanuts yeah. for him. So it's a big time that we give a wee bit of a medicine to other big clubs and take their top talents for right. 6.5 million, by the way. It's still a big fee for us, so <laughs> it's to pay so that up all. for Jada. And if he has as much uh, uh, potential as Felix, then I think that's a, a good one, do you know what I mean? Uh, and then uh, Ryan Taylor... You don't see many players trying to skill like he does. Ronaldo, and Neymar, only a few really turn on the side in their youth. Ronaldo was on real stepovers. Obviously, I mean, it's quite clear to see that uh, Jada models his kind of game on Ronaldo, the way chaps chops in, chops back and stuff. And yeah. it's good to see. Egyptian King, another great point. Did you notice already? He was annoyed. He had to come off yesterday. It shows these boys want to play as much as they can. And then this style of play, again, they're all enjoying their yep. football. And then Ryan Taylor, this is quite funny. Anyone notice GG grabbing Jada's hair when he was celebrating? Yeah, he does <laughs> well. It was funny, but speaking about, obviously, Greg Taylor, he's come up a wee bit in the comments here, mm-hmm. in terms of we'd being in trouble and stuff if he, if he starts watching European football. He did by all counts get man in the match yesterday, and the stats were quite impressive against Aberdeen, mm. and the commentators were kind of giving him praise, left, right, and centre, saying his ball distribution was good, and it looks like he's worked on that quite a lot. He is good at the pass, and he's good at... Do mm. you know what I mean? I just... It sounds a bit crap when I'm giving all this praise and I'm coming back with a counter-argument saying I just don't think he's good enough for that step up. And that's why, for me, I was surprised Burnaby didn't get at least 25 minutes. Was that surprising to you? Just to see what he's made of in the league?
1: It was a bit because uh, going into the game, I did think he would start Taylor. And I wasn't really based on anything in terms of like the ability of him and Burnaby. I just thought, Andrew just stick to playing it safe, essentially, for the first game. Just stick to what he knows. But yeah, I did think that by would have got a wee bit of run out, but um, yeah, it's encouraging to see with Taylor, because he's definitely, he's coming about a whipping boy over the last few years, so under Andy, he's definitely improved massively, because that first couple of years, oh. yeah, he couldn't catch a break. I mean, the amount of times you would notice it as well, when he would come forward to about the halfway line, and then he would just kind of about turn and pass it back the way, or pass it inside, because he didn't have the the sort of like the no, to go the forward case. and try and get a pace, yeah. yeah. Um his short passing game's actually pretty good so, like in terms of just like short range passing, his crossing could still do a bit of work. But the way Ange has them playing with being inverted fullbacks where they're not really all about getting up and down the line when he gets in the middle of the park, yeah, he had a quite decent game yesterday, and his, as you say his distribution was really good. It's like that sort of they kind of become an auxiliary sort of defensive midfielder by yeah. coming in there, you know, just to, like pick up the ball and pass it out wide or pass it forward to somebody. So but yeah, I think Taylor. And the thing with Bernabeu, I say, I've not got much to base it on with Bernabé because we've only just seen a few friendly performances. Uh, naturally, the reaction is we've well, spent nearly $4 million on a lad from Argentina who, by all accounts, seems to be on the cusp of becoming a, a regular international. So you'd think, well, surely mm-hmm. he must come in and be better right away than Greg Taylor, but it might just take a wee bit of adaption time for bike. And I think the two of them will get game time over the season. I think we'll see a very similar dynamic to what we get with Ralston and Juranovic, where... I think uh, Ralston will improve from what he can learn from Juranovic. Taylor will improve from what he can learn from Bernabeu. And it'll keep it, it, all of them sharp because, again, it's all about competition, man. So mm-hmm. I, it's, uh, I think we both at the moment are, are quite a safe hand. And, yeah, I can understand the concern again with European stuff. Like, I think a lot of that's just deep-rooted in a lot of fans' heads because we bought them from another SPL club. So it's like, oh, no. I mean, Scott Brown got bought from another SPL club years ago and went on to become. It did take a wee while to get there, but yeah, you just again, I think we'll have a clearer picture, Stephen. Once we see the Champions League draw, and we know what's yeah. ahead. Then we'll have a clear picture because we'll still have a few days between that draw and the end of the window. And then we might know where we need to get and what for strengthening that. Maybe a few last-minute deals, but. We'll see, we'll see how it goes with the tail stuff. But overall, I was encouraged by his performance. I thought he did absolutely fine and by all accounts was getting man of the match. Yeah, I kind of will disagree with that one. Yeah, I mean the
0: whole Greg Taylor thing interests me because a lot of people on the podcast, like Ross and William, they're all big fans. They obviously they call him Gregory. That's Gregory. A kind of cut catched on in our uh, our podcast. But I look at it from the fact, and I think you're right, it's we better naivety from myself. thinking thing. We're signed from Kamarnik. He's coming to us Yes, he's improved. But if you're coming up against a Neymar or whatever, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I I just can't see it. Patrick McLaughlin here comes. And if a left field one, I try Burnaby on the left and Jad on the right. Once for a couple of goals in front. Again, hmm? I think Postacoglu is trying to play same players who can play multiple positions. I hmm. think that's a part of his game plan as well. So people can be drafted in or moved up one or like that's where McGregor could be a six and eight and ten and. Hatate can play the six because we know he's played left-back and stuff for his club in Japan. And Speaking about Mm Hatate, should we have had a penalty kick, Phil? Because what's in the back again? Anthony Stewart, the the centre-back, their new captain, Mm -hmm. Aberdeen's new captain, I should say, um, fell into one of his own players. Mm -hmm. His head first into Hatate's feet, referee, no penalty. Mm -hmm.
1: Hitati was the, the walking wounded yesterday because uh, they were out to get him, they really were. The boy that you mentioned, on, the aforementioned, uh, uh, Ramadani, was it the yeah, oh, Ramadani, yeah. Ramadani yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, he uh, was a bit naughty. We catch him, was did he like sort of like clip him in the back or something like that? Like as he ran uh, by the him? bottom of the
0: spang, just bang.
1: Do you know, that's exactly the same thing that, that Ramirez did to Joe Hart last year when we played them at Celtic Park. There was an incident in the first few minutes at a corner, and he sort of like done Joe Hart right in the lower back, and there was that moment of fear where Scott Bain came out to warm up, and everyone was like, yeah. oh, God, no. Um, but is this a trope? Do they teach this in training at Aberdeen or something? But yeah, there was that. And then it was like, well, the referee then stopped. because originally played advantage and went, no, no, no. And then just took him over, gave him a stern talking to and then Hitati obviously, with the penalty incident as well, which I do think was a penalty. I think it was. And then there was also he went off injured anyway, where like his mouth was all busted. No, up I believe. Well. Yeah. Like, so poor Hitati, They must have watched him in pre-season and went, oh, identified him as the danger man because he was running everything. But yeah, he was a walking wounded yesterday. Not much protection from uh, Nick Walsh in the middle there. Uh, but, yeah, that that one we, the the when he got done in the lower back, that one in particular really riled many fans in the stadium. Yeah. Like, you know, you've played advantage. You've realised there's no advantage. Sure, you need to bring it back now and book him. And I say, he was down for ages getting treatment. But, no, it was just a wee stern finger wag, you know, we talking to. I don't know. We'll let him away with that one. It's like, oh, come on. So, really, we are. only one game into the season, Stephen, and already they're at it, these referees, at it, oh.
0: <laughs> I, I I really personally don't believe that VAR is going to make much of a difference, especially if it's them clowns that are running the VAR. Do you know what I mean? I would rather appoint officials from different nationalities mm-hmm. who come in oversee a game, even if they have to watch it. I'm sure you could hook it up a way where you could uh, fill a studio in Portugal or Spain right. with a couple of referees and put the screens on of the match, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you could do it that way instead of having like some Nick Welsh or Willie Callum or whoever it may be with yep. a crayon trying to predict and <laughs> give free kicks and be like, that's a yellow card. It should be working like that because these referees for years, as you rightly pointed out, wellers mm-hmm. against us. And I have to be honest, sometimes you see shocking decisions against other clubs. You look back at that. Mm-hmm. Remember last year, there was a fight. I think it was Panadice. Uh, the player got sent off for protecting himself, or so, the 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 fan ran on the pitch and he got sent. Do you remember that?
1: It was it's... Bobby Madden sent off an Aberdeen player. He jumped over the advertising hoardings because momentum, and as he went to stop, he like nudged like the ball boy or something. Somebody, I like, no, it was a fan, like he bumped into a fan, but he didn't Aye. mean it. And then another fan got up and swung a punch for him, and obviously he didn't he didn't throw any punches back at the fan. Both obviously he yeah. had to work with him, and Bobby Madden then gave him a second booking and sent him off. I was like, what the so, hell?
0: I mean, Bobby Madden, by all counts, had a shocker down in uh, England uh, as well. The fans would uh, be on his back uh, quite early on. And again, at those points, I mean, we had a, a, a top-level referee, Bobby Madden, in our top league. nice referee in the League Two in England. That just shows the standard. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? And we're going to expect these guys to, to do VR properly, do the, the lines and all that mm-hmm. stuff in real time. Absolutely no chance. It's going to oh. be like a clown. It's going to be like a show, and then Paul Dye comes her a cracker point. Poor Hatate wore a gum shield to protect the teeth, and still got busted. Off. You see, <laughs> the fans,
1: you all put the pressure on. He wore a blue gum shield, or you can't even wear blue hatate You better get rid of that gum shield. And look what's happened. Shame on you all. Yeah, see to you be all.
0: honest, see <laughs> to be honest, see that whole blue. Dark? I, I I don't care. If He wants the no, word, no he can wear no it. Do you know what I mean? No, problem, doesn't mean he's a Rangers no. fan. Like blue's no. just blue. Who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then obviously. We we see, the, we see the game out, and we'll win 2-0. Um, we're top of the league, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Top I think the that's league, the final. looking down on
1: the Rangers, mate, already. Top of the
0: league, looking, looking down already. So, I mean, that's that's the way it should be. But in terms of the, the game overall, obviously, before we move into some of the political boardroom stuff, how do you <laughs> feel
1: about uh, it? Overall, can't really complain. See, at the most, yeah, we probably could have scored a few more goals, but in the end, it was a routine 2-0 win i say Ange seems to be giving off all the right messages that there's still room for improvement, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine with me. Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, we just need to get a bit more ruthless in front of goal and just take the chances. Because, again, it's going to do us in good stead when it comes to European football when we're not going to get many chances. But the ones that do come up, we need to make sure we're sharp enough to take them. So it's good that Ange identified that. But, yeah, overall, phenomenal day, great weather, great atmosphere. Just good to have Celtic back playing competitive football again because uh, we've needed it instead of dissecting all these friendlies and arguing <laughs> over this, the silver stripes on home kits and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, some oh. real stuff to get our teeth into now. Come on.
0: We'll have to talk about some, didn't we? The we'll fill in them oh, gaps. I know. I know. Do you know the other know. thing that I'm quite worried about? Our next game's at Ross County and Dingwall, isn't it?
1: Uh, and obviously,
0: it's... that apparently isn't on TV. It's that old
1: mental. I know. Mental. Yeah, they got rid of the streaming service where because after the COVID season, where you got to the past to paradise and stuff, and then when they brought fans back, there was still the option where some games might be on pay per view provided by the specific club. It seems like we had a lot of games like that, but Rangers didn't seem to have that. Everything uh, Rangers had the way game it was usually on Sky, but we yeah, had like yeah. Aberdeen, Ross County. In fact, the infamous game up at Ross County last year with Tony Ralston scored the, the last minute, oh, last minute, i say, uh 97th minute goal. Uh, that was on Ross County's pay-per-view. And somehow Stephen Craigan still got a gig on that one, even though he's never actually had a connection with Ross County. Oh. But yeah, apparently this year, that's completely abolished now. So I don't know how most people, me included, are going to, uh, going to see it. It's going to have to be some yeah. sort of uh, streaming means out there. I'll need to delve deep into the the dark corners of the internet to find. I'm sure I'll I'll find something. Absolutely. but uh, Yeah, it's not it's not ideal, not ideal at all. So yeah, it's, 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 it just shows
0: it just shows you that um how touch Neil Doncaster is with people like mm-hmm. normal working class people within Scottish football. He, he comes out yeah. today and the SFA obviously come out and say they're cracking down on illegal streams and pubs and stuff. And i like these guys, these women, these children, working class, they just want to watch their club play, and you're mm-hmm. making them pay hundreds and of hundreds of pounds for a TV deal that's absolutely abysmal for Scottish yeah. football. Well done, yeah. Lee cast her. And another point, how funny was it that stuck uh, Chris Boyd into the gantry? Just coming in with we wee comments now and again at uh, Celtic Park. Madness.
1: <laughs> See, I've not even seen the TV coverage because I was – Are you I'm at the I but um, I didn't really even did that. But I, I just find it ridiculous that Sky always wheel him out in any way to do any Celtic games at all. He should be so far away from any Celtic coverage in any way because he's never got anything productive or positive to say about our club, ever. But Sky, just keep oh, on doing right. it. Again, it'll be controversy, creates headlines, and you know, they'll be thinking along that way. Oh, he's controversial, yeah. you know? And it's like, they'll just think any reaction is a good reaction, and it's like, no. No, not in his case. Co- that is not controversial. a
0: good Controversial and a shite pundit. I mean, that oh, kind terrible. of sums him up. But well, that grand comes in saying the real Test boys have been in the Champions League. Totally agree with that. ground mm-hmm. you, you know my thoughts on that as well. But we'll move on to some of the more kind of political boardroom things and I know some people are probably gonna be ah, oh, not again but it has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I mean we can't forget the the crimes I was gonna say the issues of seasons gone past and being locked out in the stadiums with cages around it and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean we heard on Friday, I think it was confirmed, Phil, that uh, Ian Bankier is mm-hmm. going to be stepping down as chairman. Q Peter Owell getting a suit jacket ready, a Celtic yeah. club tie back on. Is he a shoe
1: in the reckon, for this? Well, this, this is the weird bit, Stephen. A year ago, when he stepped down from the CEO position, this was rumoured even back then, and then the story kind of disappeared just at the end of the night. Nobody heard from it again. But now it's came back up, and suddenly there was a bell ringing in the back of my head. Like, I'm sure this headline's been doing the round somewhere before, so it doesn't surprise me at all. I just find it really interesting, first and foremost, that suddenly everything's going really well at Celtic, and mm-hmm. suddenly they're trying to sneak this one through because something similar happened with the uh, Bernard Higgins' one. Uh, we were on a decent run. It was a run up to the League Cup final, I do believe. And, uh, yeah, the Bernard Higgins story had broke and then they changed their mind at the last minute. I don't know if it's going to get to that level again, if it will be a lot of like fan protests to stop it. But I've seen a few fans online are very much in the camp of, oh, it's all a load of nonsense. It's, it's just the, the media trying to stir it up. Then there's other fans who are kind of like, but worried about this, you know, you just you just feel like you've read this chapter before. You know, I'm long enough in the tooth now to be down this road with Celtic where when everything's going so well, just something bad, something stupid will come along just to just the board again proving that they just just so much incompetence. I mean, right now Peter Lowell stepped down as CEO, disappeared and Michael Nicholson who'd been there for years, obviously took his mm-hmm. uh, took that CEO place. Other. It was. I see your because Dominic Mackay was the fever dream Dominic Mackay who was only there for about 10 weeks and then he disappeared as well. Uh, Did he even happen? Nobody even knows. Um, But yeah, it's basically just the same board that was there before but you get fans going out saying, oh what a job this board's doing, what a job Michael Nicholson's doing and it's like it's the same, it's still the same guys and if Peter Lowell's coming back in to oversee everything as the chairman and given it's quite well known from stories we've heard over the years how he would... uh, interfere in on-field matters as much as off-field matters. It does, I think a lot of fans are right to be a bit fearful of this one. I don't think it's being negative or anything, Try to be controversial for the sake of it, to generate clicks for podcasts and articles. It's not that. I do think there is a genuine case to be a bit fearful if this does come to fruition. So yeah, I'm very much concerned, Stephen. <laughs>
0: Egyptian King comes up with a funny one here, but it's, it's it's quite relatable. Lowell's like the psycho ex so you just can't get rid of until she gets her help <laughs> insurance. But I mean, you look at this, we had a wee chat off her, obviously, before we come on, and I said it's a bit like he couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen when it was yeah. all fire and brimstone. He's had a chat with, with Desmond and Durbin's been like, don't worry, in a year or so, I have it in good faith that Ian Bankier is going to be stepping down, so we'll get you back in when, when we're all going well and Posta Coglu has something back on top. But it's like, Does this, again, go back to the the root of the problem? It's like jobs for friends. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. The the old friend brigade, the prawn prawn sammy eating brigade are back again. And it's the same faces, albeit in different positions. Now, Mm -hmm. Michael Nicholson, by all accounts, to give him credit, let's Mm -hmm. be fair, obviously, he Mm -hmm. seemed to be having good handling on the transfer dealings. He's got them through quickly. Postal even given his, his obviously, stamp of faith as well. Mark Lowell, let's forget about the name connection for a Mm -hmm. second. He had his own kind of credentials at the Citigroup. Yep. He's come over to us with a great CV. Let's, let's see how he does. But mm. Peter Longwell, for me, it's like once you step away and once you have the problems that he did with them, statements mm. that he'd done on the YouTube channel looking like he was getting held at gunpoint, rolling out Scott Brown to tell everyone that it's all okay and Scott Brown didn't look like he wanted to be there at that point as well in terms of what he was reading. looked like it was off a script. Yeah, it's, it's a deep-seated issue that doesn't seem to be getting sorted out anytime soon.
1: No, you're right. I mean, I remember the, the interview you're talking about. That's the Dubai debacle, was not it? Where yes. after weeks yes. of silence from the club, somebody finally manned up and said, Okay, I'll go in front of the camera and speak to them. And yeah, that was just awful from Walwell. It was just like he didn't even answer anything, really. You know, it just it just made it worse, this whole situation. Cause yeah, that that was one of the many shambles. But he will forever be, you know, tarred in that whole like the, the ten in a row failure. He'll always be associated with that because I think He was always planning on stepping down as CEO, but I think his grand plan was to go out as a a hero. You know, the CEO that oversaw the 10 in a row and stuff like that. So obviously it backfired, but yeah, you're right. He probably, with everything being as uh, intense as it was a year ago after that debacle, and there was a bit of uncertainty when Ange came in and with the players we were about to lose. Nobody really knew what was coming ahead. Luckily, it's all fell into place. And yeah, it's, it's just so convenient. You know, he's got out of the kitchen, got out of the heat, and now... Here he comes back in, looks like it, to take all the glory. But this time, he's coming in in a bigger position. The chairman this time oversees it all. You know, the, the chairman of the board's a mm-hmm. top dog. So it's like, oh, the, it's, it's, a lot of fans are, as I say, right to be concerned, man. Very, very right to be concerned.
0: I mean, Frank Brennan has come in. He's put up a few comments, and I want I to talk about this here. He said, "What the is to be fearful about Lowell, for mm-hmm. fuck's sake? Of course, he would be my first choice, Ehler. But it only goes to highlight the complete... Of suitable candidates for the position, no. I can see to I me mean, that that doesn't make sense because I'm sure if Celtic tried to recruit a new chairman, I'm mm. sure there'll be plenty of candidates in that position okay. that will want to come to Celtic Football Club, whether it's from far afield like Italy or Spain or Australia, mm. Asia, uh, Korea, yeah. and even England. Even that guy we had on, uh, David Webb, yeah. he's a fantastic guy. He's overseeing a few operations at Tottenham, mm. Southampton. There is guys out there. And I've seen a few comments saying if Lowell comes in, it's another step backwards in terms of where we should be as a club. Mm. It does concern me. Now, again, this is totally from outside of what I can see. We're not privy to what goes on in the boardroom. We don't have a seat. There's no fan representation in the boardroom, which I think is wrong as well. There needs to be that kind of voice. But obviously the the Celtic SLO does a good job when he can and stuff and informs supporters of what's going on. But in terms of us as a club, Posta Coglu, is doing this himself. There, yeah. for me, there's no other kind of way
1: to put that. If you know what I mean. Yep. The um, I think the biggest concern when I first saw it and knowing that, and you see he's doing it all himself, right? And as if we know about in the past, there's been stories that came out about Warwell interfering too much. And my first fear, my first, and I think many fans have thought the same was, this is a guy who was imagined the Australian national team and walked out on them before the World Cup because the people above him couldn't get on with him and couldn't see his vision. I just worry that if Peter Lawwell's back on the scene and starts any of his funny business interfering, try to influence Ange, mm. who's up against it anyway, I say he's pretty much doing most of it all by himself. I really hope it doesn't come to that, and I really hope the worst-case scenario doesn't happen. I really want to say it out loud, because, again, I don't want to be accused of generating negativity, but he's following all what I'm thinking. Um, And it's like, I just hope yeah. it doesn't come to that. I really, really don't. And in terms of the point about other candidates, I agree that when we look at it from a fan point of view, our club has a lot of appeal and stuff like that. But my concern is, and you go back to what I talked about a minute ago, the fever dream, uh, Dominic McKay, where he came in for that 10-week yeah. spell. It did actually happen, folks. We didn't imagine it. What well, He was there. And obviously, he disappeared. And it's a case of, what well, what happened there? Was he either just so bad that they got rid of him, or was he just too forward-thinking? That the rest of the board are like, we've got to we've got to force this guy out. So that makes me think that if he looked to an outside sources a new chairman, somebody an outsider. Well, I just worry with this the, board, would they welcome said, See you saying that they're
0: sorry to cut you off there, but I think you make a, a great point in terms of Dominic McKay. Mm-hmm. It's funny when he left, it didn't take long for the whispers to come out that Peter Lowell had a big, big That's say right. in who he was appointed. Mm-hmm. And then obviously. As time goes on, even Posta Koglu name-dropped him a few times as well. So, yeah. is it a case of maybe, again, to come back to, to be a bit counterproductive here in terms of what other people could be saying? I mean, Michael McDonald came in. Hmm. I've got the wee comment here. and said, most teams in the EPL would be lucky to have him in a heartbeat. We'll be lucky to get him. I think that's a wee bit of sarcasm there, Michael, to be honest. But <laughs> I do get what you're saying. I know like he has confirmed that he's rejected the legs of Arsenal, going down there, obviously. He's paid big bucks as something. think he's probably one of our highest paid members yeah. of staff, and that probably outweighing the manager too. Yes, the, the whole thing with Lowell is for me what he's associated with. Yeah. For that downfall, for that absolute collapse of the 10 to 0 season. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he done well up to that. He kept her finances in control. Yeah, we mm-hmm. can't deny that. Really we're in, that. We're always we're always making profit. We're making steps in Europe in terms of a brand recognition point, maybe not so much as a club in the football end. But when you're associated with being so out of touch with supporters in, in that COVID season, when you couldn't get into the, mm. the stadiums, there was no sympathy, <clears throat> locking the fans literally with metal fences so they couldn't protest or get close to the club, not giving any communication, kind of like closing himself off to the word to the extent, just locking that door behind them mm. and letting the chaos unfold. I don't think he should be given any right to come back to the Football Club. Now, after what he done, yes, you can appreciate obviously the years mm-hmm. of success and leading up to that and stuff. We're not—I'm not trying to be like naive in this. I know mm-hmm. he played a big part, and people don't like to hear that, but he did the profit yeah. sheet. Obviously, players yeah. come and go, and managers and decisions stuff like that. But for me, it's time to move on from that. And the more yeah. we keep going back to them options, like we spoke about it as well, it seems like him. Lanny and Desmond have this like wee WhatsApp group and they message each other every so often and they like, do you want a job? I mean, that's what it's like. It should not be like that at a healthy Football Club, Phil. No,
1: you're totally right. And the thing is, as well, I've seen points already come up on Twitter a lot of people saying, you know, let's not forget the amount of success we had under Lawwell when he was CEO. And yeah, there is a case for that at the end the day, but there's also things like a lack of investment has led to many, like the managerial departures. You look at some of the along the track record, uh, the board is showing. There you go. Pointing playing you, that. pretty much. Aye, that's pretty much what they're doing. Egyptian King, but the, you look back to even when Walwell took over the CEO back in what was it, two thousand three, two thousand four, even a bit there. Yeah. So we were just off the back of the UEFA Cup final, and it's like we were told that, like Larson told us at that time after that final that this coming season will be his last season, and. Even like the we didn't even replace I know you can't replace Henry Larson just like that, you know, but we had a whole yeah. year to prepare and we ended up with Henri Kamara on loan at the end of the, the, the start of the next season to basically replace Henrik Larson. And then you look at when Strachan then came in after that and his whole remit was just to get the wage bill down. Uh the investment was there. Neil Lennon's first tenure, like was all going fine, but he left at the end of the 2014 season because he just got told that the the investment wouldn't be there. We brought in Ronnie. In the second season, we were going signing players like Carlton Cole, Kazim Richards, Aww. and stuff like that. So, and then of course, the Brendan Rogers tobacco everyone knows about that, how that yeah. one went. We all so, there's a track record there where, yeah, it can go really well and stuff like that, but there will come a point, a sour point, where it will start, the investment won't be there, it might not match the manager's ambitions and stuff like that. And that is a huge concern, especially now that he would be the chairman, the overall boss, and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... um, it, it, it does put a bit of fear into me, but I say there is some fans that already try to put the positive spin on it, and that's the thing. Again, as we've seen in the last few weeks with the, the pylons on social media and stuff, it's all about opinions at the end of the day. If somebody disagrees with your opinion, you don't need to call them a prick or anything, you know, it's just yeah. people's opinions, but, yeah, there's, there's going is- to be
0: it's not like we're not recognising his success oh, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean but he, he played he played a major part in all the downfalls and the managers you mentioned aye, like, there's like a
1: gang to it definitely yeah. there is, like, there's good points but there's a lot of bad points as well so it's like uh, yeah
0: like <laughs> Brendan Rogers by all accounts wanted to sign your man Castagna, who mm-hmm. ended up getting a Leicester that didn't go through there was a player from Valencia the, a right back yeah. was it Ramirez aye, but who was it Puccini his name is Puccini, Puccini. Mm-hmm. aye that didn't go through and he started making comments about all the board and transfers and that, that terminado contract thing <laughs> came out. And then after that, it all kind of unraveled, you know what I mean? And then, what's this, uh, Paul Dye comes in, Lowell is the panto family, can't blame the CEO for managers for signings. But again, he's a part of the investment for them signings. He, he says where mm. investment goes in, in the club. And then Frank Brandon comes in. <laughs> You're getting yourself so worked up about nothing. At this precise perfect. moment in time, you'll have to be perfect. You, you'll have the perfect fall guy for when we get hammered in the Champions League and it'll all be lowest foul. Again, Frank, I take that totally on board. There is different mm-hmm. sides it and we appreciate all the sides because it makes for a good oh, debate. Yeah. I think yeah. we can all agree on that, Phil, but totally we'll kind of move on, obviously, to a lighter-hearted segment of the show and just to yeah. kind of, of round it off. And a lot of people are wanting to know about the Bullfrog oh, last good. night, Phil, and people wanted to know, why is there no live footage or any footage on YouTube? <laughs>
1: Well, I arrived at about quarter past eight before the show started, about half eight. So my understanding was they were going to try and film it. I don't think live would have been an option, let's be honest. It would have been quite tough to get it all, you know, in sync to go live. But if we'd recorded it and maybe uploaded it as a separate thing, but that just didn't happen either. But um, yeah, it it was quite bad. So basically what happened in The Bullfrog stays in The Bullfrog. Uh, it's essentially going one, but it did happen. It wasn't like Dominic McKay, as I say, it was just you know we all just imagined it. No, no, it was it was a good night overall. Uh say so we just did like um the old PMP post match pitch beforehand. Then there was a quiz in the middle, and then a and at the end. So I it was it was a good laugh. It was I say it was fun to just meet most of the the Boise Bus team. Hadn't even met in person at that point. There was a lot of even Russell I hadn't met him in person till last night. The only people I'd met in person so far were Mark Kearney, Dale Regan. Uh, Liam Collo, and I think that's all of it. And then, yeah, but last night I got to meet pretty much most of the team and then some of the boys from Endless Sales as well, and a lot of people who call, uh, comment on both shows. But that was it was good fun, and uh, I'm sure there'll be another one in due course as well. But I, really, I think some of our team need to recover from last night. I so, say I was I'm a sensible boy. I came home about you know a midnightish or something like. That. I was so nice and early by their standards, but they were out till God knows what time. So, see, I know there was definitely a pool game going on between Ross and Russell. <laughs> Uh the challenge was laid down, I think, when we did the quiz between the Endless Celts and the Boise bus. I'm sure there was some banter back and forth about that one, so they, they played the game last night, but uh that, it, it was good stuff, but I think there's some of the phone footage out there. I think a few people had the phones out. I've been on stage at one point and... <laughs> Don't release the phone footage. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think,
0: but... I think as well, like, if you can, like, as a podcast, the Boise bus... If you're just going to get people in the room and talk about Celtic and have a laugh and have fun, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think you made a great point. If we disagree with people's comments, there, there is no need to take it onto Twitter or call people out and, as you said, use bad language towards them, the things they got. And I do want to point out to the fact as well that we still have Undertaker below. We've got the Samaritans. We've got Breathing mm-hmm. Space. We've got the Scottish Mental Health Charity as well. So if you're in a position where you need to talk to someone, reach out and do that. Otherwise, if you want to, speak to one of us, Boise Boss, then the cells, anyone out there yep. that could be a listener, there's always someone willing to talk. And just to the, the kind, of, kind of round up the show, Phil, the third kit was dropped today. It was. So it was, um, it looked for me quite nice. I'm wearing the, the controversial one
1: from last season. Yeah, I think it's quite a nice. A one, that one you've got on, I think yeah. that one got a lot of jip. And the only thing that I didn't like about that one was the badge placement. I felt it was just too low down. I don't mind. I, either, don't I can't even that. see it on the screen, man. Yeah. I have to sit like this. Aye, something oh, about that would put me off it. But I, I think the actual design itself looks quite nice, quite fresh. But I think hated it. I
0: think I'll be on one of them retro football uh, shows mm-hmm. later in yeah. life when we're older. I had that kit. No, even one of them ones. It's worth money. But yep. what do you think of the third kit?
1: I quite like it. I mean, I'm all for like, going a bit different on away kits, because that's what they're for. You know, I don't see the point mm. in having you know, a home kit and an away kit that are essentially the same colour, especially when there's another team in the league that wear green and white as well, and it's like, ah! Uh... So there's been a few times we've visited Easter Road and we've had to wear an away kit from the season before because of a colour clash, so I think it looks quite nice. Um, the because I saw the original, the preview a few weeks ago, and it was like a close up of the badge, and it was like grey, and it was like a neon yellows. So people like it's gonna look like when it comes out? But no, I think it looks okay. So it's a bit different of a different colour scheme, going with the neon yellow on it as well. At least I still like that one from a couple of years ago. The New Balance, the the grey one with the big pink chevron across the front. Oh my god! Oh, the only kit I think Celtic have never actually worn in an actual game. That's the apparently the only one that they've never ever worn. So that will be that will become valuable because of that.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that will, that will, definitely. But cause I didn't mind see the pink one they did in the Rogers first season, the one with the pink and black. I like that.
0: Yeah,
1: so me being a wrestling fan as well as Brett, the Hitman heart colors. So I was like, there you go, pink and black, that goes really well together. But I thought that looked okay, but that gray with the big pink chevron across it, I was like, oh no, no, that's that's too much. Man. But see, it will now become a cult classic, you know, because uh, yeah. because it never got worn. Um But as I, apparently, there's a wee detail on the sleeve where. It's the roof of the stadium. Somebody said something about that little design that's on the bottom of the sleeve on this uh, kit. Apparently, that's see how the, the when you look at the roof of the stadium, you've got like the cantilevers and stuff like that, all the yes. metal. Goggles. Apparently, that's what that design is. And I was like, "Oh, that's quite a nice wee detail." I have never even picked up on that. I could have stared at it for ages and went, "This looks familiar," but I can't remember thinking on what it is. Apparently, it's the roof of the stadium. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's quite cool, man." So that, that's that, one I, wee detail.
0: I think you're right. Like, kits need to be different. You're, I mean, again, go back to the whole kit argument, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, what, you know what I mean, ifs and buts and things. It is nice to have a, a different kind of kit. And there is a few people saying the badge should always be the same color and things like that, which again, people can disagree about. And I've seen a great comment up, this, up the pot, uh, the comments, I'm not going to weigh up, I do apologize, saying there should be some say for Celtic fans and future yeah. kits with Adidas and things, I think hey, that would be a great sight. And I liked your your wrestle analogy there because it was Rick Flair's last match last night, wasn't it? It was, was yeah. He, well, he, a...
1: he says his last match. Don't be surprised if he still Aye. comes out again, does another one.
0: <laughs> and by all accounts, he won, and so did Celtic. And on that note, Phil, have you enjoyed being on the Endless Hells podcast?
1: Course mate, yeah. I'm always happy to come and talk about Celtic anywhere. So yeah, um, I see the Boise bus there, they're nursing some hangovers tonight. So uh, I believe Monday Club will be a Tuesday club this week. Um, which is understandable. I had a feeling that would be yeah. the case. Uh but yeah, no, have thanks for having me on, Stephen. I'm more than happy to come no, and talk me. about the, the glorious Glasgow Celtic, mate.
0: I appreciate you coming on, especially at, at short notice as well, man. It's much appreciated. and Also, the the comments and Justin uh, King straight off the bat, great show, lads. If you could hit that like button again and hit that subscribe button, we'd greatly appreciate it. And also to the members, obviously, Kenny McCardle, Kaiser, uh, Kevin14, are all in the comments as well. So, again, if you want to take advantage of the wee the, the membership apps and 99pm off, just get on it. Bit of crack, on, me. Get that wee emoji besides your name that John's created. But, in the meantime, until Friday, when we look ahead to The Ross County game at Dingwall, which some of us may not be able to see. Stay well and keep safe. Feel health.